you to bless this evening that everything that is said and done will bring you glory and honor. We just worship you and we thank you for your goodness tonight in the precious name of Jesus. Amen and amen. You go ahead and be seated. Praise the Lord. Just for your <clears throat> information, of course, next week is going to be Thanksgiving Eve. And uh, for the last several years, we um, don't have church on that uh, Wednesday night because of families getting out of town and stuff because um, the schools, they're either out that day or they get out early. I forget which it is. And so um, next Wednesday evening, there won't be any, any services. Praise the Lord. I didn't get out to tell them out back that, so tell your kids. <laughs> no, we don't have church tonight. Praise the Lord. And if they don't believe you, have them call Pastor Becky. Well, we're going to continue our series, The Believer's Authority. And uh, command ye me. This is God speaking. And, you know, it's interesting is he actually tells us, um, and we see it in the Old Testament, we'll get to it a little bit later on, um, where he commanded them or told them to command him. Now, we're not telling God what to do, by the way. Um, but when we speak in line with his word, um, he wants us to be confident in that, that he's going to uh, fulfill his plan. He's going to do what he said he was going to do. Um, and so, as we see in the notes, he doesn't want us to act as a beggar. And oftentimes, that's what we've seen in the, in the church, that people have... They've been like beggars. They've tried to beg God to do something. And we've made this statement before, and I'll just make it again, that, you know, God isn't, God isn't moved by need. And, uh, you know, that's where the world gets really confused. And I think oftentimes we as believers don't have an answer for them um, because we so much, see so much need. You know, we were just out in Oregon and just south of there in, was it called Paradise? Is that what, it's, what it is? I thought it was Paradise, yeah. You know, I mean, entire town just literally burned up in flames, just gone. And people say, well, why didn't God do something about it? Well, what was he supposed to do about it? You know, because he's given us authority here in the earth. And, um, you know, so you're telling us that people could have risen up and taken authority over that. And, uh, <clears throat> yeah. Joni? Just something real quick. Samara was re recently at a conference attended by a gal from the California area, and her concern was that the fires were very close to her home. Mm -hmm. And so I think as a group, they did pray and take authority. And her mother from California called later to say, you won't believe what we are seeing down here. <laughs> 50 yards all the way around your home and your home only, no burning forward. Mm -hmm. And they also said they thought, you know, the way that the wind was moving backward or yeah. taking smoke away from there kind of made them think of angel wings. <laughs> mm -hmm. So I thought that was pretty profound considering how Amen. bad it is. But I mean, that's... 
we, we look at that and we say, well, you know, we can't do anything about that. Well, that's what man says. And, and so we, we talked about it a little bit last week that we limit God. God's limitations are based on us. He can't go beyond our willingness um, to speak, our willingness to command. You know, and I'm not saying that there weren't people that um, didn't get burned out who were believing and praying. Why did they? I don't know. All that I know is we need to know the authority that we do have in the name of Jesus and not move according to the circumstances around us, but we, we believe and act upon what the Word of God says. And so, like I said, I believe that we, we limit God. And oftentimes it's, it's not a prayer of faith, it's a prayer of, you know, I remember Brother Hagin one time saying that in, in one of his meetings, they're getting ready to go out and pray, and he's praying with the pastor, and he, the, the pastor was just driving him crazy because he kept praying, oh God, oh God, some way, somehow, some way, somehow. And he says, you know, of course, I'm going to respect the pastor of the church that I'm speaking in. But he said, I wanted to tell him Jesus is the way and the Holy Ghost is the how. We need to realize that there is a way and there is a how. It's Jesus and the Holy Spirit leading us and directing us. And so our begging isn't going to move God. Our pleading isn't going to move God. It's faith that moves God. And faith is based upon the Word. It's based on the truth of the Word of God. And the reason that we get into the pleading and the begging is because we're not confident, we're not sure of what the Word says. And we need to be sure. We need to be confident. We need to be determined. So if you've got your Bibles, go ahead and turn them to Acts, the third chapter. And uh, the sixth verse. We're all familiar with this, this account. This is at the gate, Temple Beautiful. <clears throat> and um, in the sixth verse, it says, Then Peter said, Silver and gold I don't have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise and walk. And he took him by the hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and his ankle bones were strengthened. So he leaped up, stood, walked, and entered the temple with him, walking and leaping and praising God. And so, <clears throat> notice something about this. Peter recognized that he, he had something. Peter didn't demonstrate oftentimes what the Church talks about as being humility. He says, oh, you know, praise the Lord, I just can't do anything. It's up to Jesus. No, Peter says, silver and gold I have none. But what I do have, what he had was the name of Jesus. He said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And Peter was so confident that the words that he spoke were going to come to pass. It says that he leaned over and he grabbed the guy by the hand and lifted him up. Because he, he expected something to happen. You know, <clears throat> the Bible says that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And so, 
Faith isn't just a hope. I'm a wishing and a hoping. That's not faith. Faith is hope with expectation. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. In other words, there's an expectation that that which I've prayed for, that which I'm believing, is going to come, come to pass. And, you know, we have to have that expectation because oftentimes the reason that we, we don't see the manifestation of it is because we, we give up. We don't see the manifestation of it immediately or we, we begin to look at, at the circumstances around us and the circumstances aren't improving, they're getting worse. And so we, we, we give up and we, well, I guess it just doesn't work for me. We can't take that approach. We need to, be, need to speak according to the Word of God. You know, <clears throat> um, I've shared with you before this year, I'm reading through... Um, Faith Food again. It's Brother Hagen's uh, devotional. And this month, in his devotional, he's, every day you're talking about, you're talking about faith. And um, <clears throat> the other day he was, he was talking about, well, he's been talking through the whole thing about there being this expectation that, that we believe that God is going to do uh, what God is going to going to do and we don't we don't back off from it. We we believe it and we we continue to move forward in it. Now I don't know if you can tell this or not, but I'm I'm stalling right now because there was a point that I wanted to bring out of one of my devotions and I can't remember what that point was right now. You know, and so maybe by the end of the evening I'll re or I'll remember what that point was, but it was it was really good. And I wish I could go back to my notes and find it, but it's not in my notes because it's one of those things that just kind of pop in your head and you start to speak. So I should have said it right away rather than talk to bring an introduction because through the introduction, I forgot what I was going to say. But just be assured, it was really good. <laughs> Amen. Well, maybe we'll get back to it later. You know, but... Uh, Anyway, um, Christians who don't realize that in Christ they've become brand new creatures, creations, aren't taking what God give, what's God's given them in their authority. You see, <clears throat> you have authority not because you're so spiritual. You have authority because you are spiritual, because of who you are in Christ Jesus, because of what Jesus has done for us. But see, if we don't identify with the new man, if we don't identify with us as that new creation, we'll, we'll, never, we'll never step out and use the authority that's been given to us. We'll, we'll constantly be looking for somebody else to fill that void in our lives. You know, uh, Pastors have a responsibility, and it's a responsibility to equip the saints. That's what the fivefold ministry is. But it's to equip the saints so that each and every one of us recognize the authority that we have, that we might walk in it. You know, we're, 
We're not to be dependent upon one another. You know, the world calls it codependency. And you see a lot of it in the church. And, and there's a lot of pastors and individuals in ministry that want to, they want to create that. And the problem with that is it's, it's never healthy. And the reason that it's never healthy is that a person, whether it be physical codependency or spiritual codependency, they never reach their potential because they're always dependent upon somebody else. And so <clears throat> we're not to be dependent upon one another, but we are to be interdependent upon one another. In other words, in our marriage, uh, you know, usually when I'm teaching on marriage and I get into the sixth chapter, you know, because I'm trying to be humorous, I skip the 22nd verse and I go down to the 23rd where it says, husbands submit unto your, wives submit unto your husbands as unto the Lord. Did I, did I get it right there? I think I did. Wives submit unto your husbands as unto the Lord and husbands love their wives as Christ loves the church. But it's interesting, that whole section, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, it all begins with 22. And 22 says that we're to be submitted one to another. You see, that's how the church is supposed to operate, that we're submitted one unto another. And so what we have then is we have an a, a interdependency upon one another. In other words, I can depend on Pastor Becky and she can depend on me. And that's how it's supposed to be in the church as well, that you can, you can have confidence that you can depend upon me, but at the same time, I can have confidence and I can depend upon you because each and every one of us are doing the same thing where our goal is to fulfill the will of God, to further his kingdom. And as long as you and I are both trying to accomplish that, we're inter interdependent with one another and we're not in competition with one another. So often again, in the church and in marriage and everything else, you see people in, in, in competition with one another. That's because they want dependency. They don't want to be interdependent upon one or inner, what, what's, I don't know, well, you know what I'm trying to say. Just pray in the Holy Ghost and get the interpretation. Listen to this in John 15, 5. It's supposed to be vine there. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me, you can't do anything. And so, Jesus is the vine, we're the branches. And Jesus says, unless we're, we're connected to him, we can't, we can't do anything. But you know, the other part of it is, unless we're connected to him, he can't do what he wants to do. He wants to minister to the lost. He wants to minister to the hurting. He wants to be an encouragement. He wants to be all of those things. But as the vine, 
he's not able to perform those functions. But we as the branches, we're the vessels, we're the channels that he's able to flow through. You know, the old Pentecostals, they used to use that terminology uh, of channeling the Holy Spirit. Now you have to be careful because they think of spiritists and witchcraft and all kind of stuff when you start talking about channeling. But, but we're to be a, a channel, a vessel for the Holy Spirit to flow through so that he can minister to others. And so <clears throat> there has to be this this cooperation between us and the Holy Spirit, but not just simply between us and the Holy Spirit, between us and Jesus. Because if we're not connected with Jesus, if we're not connected to the vine, in the vine, we're not going to produce the fruit that ought to be produced, that he wants to have produced. You know, <clears throat> I was a sinner. I ain't no more. You know, because you either is or you ain't. You know, if you are, then let's get you born again. If you aren't, then you have been born again. And so we need to change how we, we see ourselves, how we, how we view ourselves. In Galatians, the second chapter, and in the 20th verse, it says, I have been, past tense, this is Paul speaking. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. And so the life that I now live, it's not, it's not about me. It's not me. It's allowing Jesus to live through me or allow Jesus to express himself through me. And how do we do that? Well, you know, number one, you must be born again. But then the second element that comes involved is, is in Romans 12, 2, where it says that we have to renew our minds according to the word of God, by the word of God. And so what happens is we stop thinking like the world and we, st we begin to think in line with the Bible. And when we begin to think in line with the Bible, we are thinking like Jesus. You know, in Isaiah, it says, my ways are not your ways, says the Lord. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Well, that's old covenant. That's before they were born again. His ways are to become my ways. His thoughts are to be my thoughts. But you know what? I'm never going to think his thoughts if I don't know what his thoughts are. How do, you, how do you think like God? How do you think like Jesus? You read his word. How do we influence somebody to think like we think? Well, we've just gone through a, it's only been two years, but it seems like six years of political campaigns when they constantly bombard you with their thoughts, with their views. Do you know why they do that? 
They do that to get you thinking their thoughts that you might begin to think and adapt their views in your life. That's, that's the purpose of the whole thing. It's, it's brainwashing. Now, with God, we don't get brainwashed, but we get our brain washed by the washing of the water of the Word. And what happens is it gets all the gunk out. It gets all those old thoughts out. It gets that doubt and unbelief out. It gets that fear out. It gets all the stuff out. It washes it away. And it leaves us with God's thoughts. And once we have God's thoughts, we begin to follow His, his ways. You know, I, I read it some time back. Um, but I, I needed something to read last Friday, and so I had my Kindle, and so I started reading it again, but Hudson Taylor's account uh, of, of China. And I, I don't agree doctrinally with what a lot of what he, he talked about and so forth. You all know who Hudson Taylor was. He, am I thinking of the right name? Well, anyway, he was, he was, a, he was a missionary the turn of the century, 20, turn of the 18th century, 18th, early 1800s, mid-1800s in China. But the commitment that he made, and the reason I needed something to read was our flight was to go out at 6 o'clock in the morning on Friday. That's just flat ungodly. I don't care what anybody says. <clears throat> you know, because you have to leave home at 3.30 to get there in time. And so he and I did get a notice on my, uh, my phone that our flight was delayed, which wasn't going to work out too well because that meant we missed our flight in, in uh, Salt Lake City. And if we missed our flight in Salt Lake City, we couldn't get to Seattle. And if we can't get to Seattle, then we can't get to Menford. And so it gave us some choices of flights. And... Uh, one of the choices was to go out at 6 o'clock, only we'd go to Atlanta. Makes a lot of sense when you're going to Seattle to go to Atlanta first. And so we, we flew to Atlanta because we were, gonna, we were still going to get into Medford then at the same time. The problem was, is our flight in Des Moines got delayed. And so we get to Atlanta and we go to the gate and our plane is sitting right there. The ramp is still there. But it's six o'clock. And they close the gate at a quarter to. Not not six, nine o'clock, whatever time it was. Anyway, we were we were we were late. And so the person's down there and everything, and we're there, and she comes up and so that's 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 our plane. And she says, Yeah, it is, too bad. And so we waited six hours. Till five o'clock. Till five o'clock and the Atlanta air, airport's a wonderful experience. <laughs> you know, and so, and then rather than being a two and a half hour flight, we have a four and a half hour flight, you know, from Atlanta to Seattle. And so I need, make a long story, I need a book to read. So I started reading this book. But see, the thing that I, 
that always impresses me when I read books like this, even though I don't agree with them doctrinally in every area, I agree with their heart. It was a heart of service, and it was a heart that was connected to Jesus and, and had such a heart for souls because they had the heart of Jesus. And so that's why it's so important for us to have, because it was all based on the Word. That's why we've got to have the Word in our heart if we're going to follow after the truths and the principles of God, if we're going to think like He thinks. In other words, we're not a more poor, miserable sinner because we've been born again, we've died with Christ, we've been resurrected with Christ in newness of life. And so we're no longer sinners, whereas it says in, in 2 Corinthians 5.21 that we are now the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus because of what Jesus has done for us. Now, <clears throat> what's this got to do with authority? Everything. Because if we don't understand who we are and if our identity isn't in Christ and in the completed works of Jesus in our lives, we're never going to step out, we're never going to walk in the authority that we truly have in Christ Jesus. Because the moment a difficult situation comes up, we'll say we can't. But we need to be like that determined little choo-choo train and say, I can, I think I can, I think I can. Only we need to get beyond the thinking I can to where I know I can because of what Jesus has done for us. And so the focal point then is not on me, it's on what Jesus has already done for me. And because of what Jesus has done for me, I can walk in the fullness of that. Now this authority that Jesus has given us enforces spiritual laws. And again, that's why the that's why the word of God is so important in our life because without the word to give us parameters we may not like to think of it that way, but it, but it does. And it's very broad, the parameters that it gives us. But it gives us those parameters because there are certain things that we don't have authority over because it goes against spiritual laws. For example, if I want you to think a certain way, I can't take authority over you and command you to think a certain way. Man, if I could, boy, <laughs> glory to God, you know. <clears throat> but I can't. But see, that's where oftentimes within the church we have what I call spiritual witchcraft. Because people are trying to manipulate the thoughts and actions of other people. And we've never, we've, God's never given us the authority to do that. Do you realize that every individual that walks on the face of the earth has the right to go to hell if they want to? Now I happen to think you're pretty stupid if you do, but everybody has that right. And so I don't have the spiritual authority to override it. Now this is what I do believe. 
I believe in the spiritual authority that I've been given. I've been, a give, I've been given authority to take authority over that spirit of blindness that blinds their minds from comprehending the gospel of truth. And I happen to think anybody in their right mind, if they can ever see the truth, will want the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ and they'll choose heaven. But I can't make them do it. And so what the Bible does is it begins to give us those parameters or those limitations upon our authority. But we find it in the Word. There's no limitation given concerning healing except from the standpoint of faith. I know what I was going to say. Hurry up quick. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Jesus. But, you know, Brother Hagen was talking about, in, about the difference between prayer and speaking. And he said, I have never prayed for anybody's healing. Because the Bible says that we're to heal them, that we're supposed to speak over them. Listen to this in Mark eleven twenty three. We, we gotta go there because it's Brother Hagen. Mark eleven twenty three. <clears throat> you do know that the outlines are just simply a, something to get us started. Up at, up at Fort Dodge, one, uh, one week, these guys in the back row are talking to one another, and, I, and they're kind of chuckling. I said, What's, what are you guys talking about? Because I give them the same lines, uh, outlines I give them here. And this is, so oh, you don't want to know. And I said, yes, I do. What are you talking about? They said, well, we're, we're betting how far you're going to get into the notes. He says, I've got A. <laughs> so anyway, that's why I tell them it's, it's just something to get us started. But Mark 11, let's start in the 22nd verse. And Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. For assuredly I say to you, whoever prays to this mountain, no, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, doubt what? Doubt what he says. Doubt in his heart, but believes that those things which he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say, whatever things, whatever things you ask when you pray, listen, uh, believe that you receive them and you'll have them. And so he makes a distinction about, you know, the prayer of agreement. If you want me to pray with you concerning something, what are we going to do? We're going to pray in agreement. And what does that mean? That means we pray the same thing because we're in agreement upon it. I mean, <clears throat> if you're praying one thing and I'm praying another thing, we're not praying prayer of agreement because we're praying different things. But he says, whoever says to this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast in the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things that he says, and Brother Hagin was saying, I, when, I, 
when I have my prayer lines, I don't pray for people. They call them prayer lines. But he says it really isn't because I don't pray for the people. I speak what the Word of God says over them. And that's how it is in our lives. We speak what the Word of God says about you. So <clears throat> you don't have to pray whether or not it's God's will for you to be healed because he's already paid for the healing. So it belongs to you. And so what do you do? You speak to the sickness and disease and you say, you get out of my body. You don't have any right to me. I've been redeemed from you through the blood of Jesus. And therefore, you don't have any authority over me. I have authority over you. And so be gone. Well, but he's speaking to mountains. But the mountain is any mountain in your life. You know, <clears throat> why, do we, why do we pray about our finances? Why don't we speak to our finances? You know, oftentimes we have to pray about it because we have to pray what we're supposed to do. Because, you know, <clears throat> money doesn't fall out of heaven. If, if money fell out of heaven, it would be counterfeit. And God's not a counterfeiter, so what does he do? He gives us wisdom. Wisdom to accumulate money, to make money, to make right investments, to go to the right places, whatever it may be. You know, and so we need to pray for wisdom. But then once he's given us the wisdom, we need to begin to declare and speak out what his word says. You know, I think most of you have heard this story how when I was in Egypt, uh, we went to dinner at the, this, these people, this couple's apartment. And it was a large apartment building right on the Nile. It looked over the, over the Nile. And, and uh, while we were there, there was, this, there was this mountain on the other side. And uh, we, were, we were just visiting along. And, and one of the guys who lived there said, you, you see that mountain? You see that? It's like a crack down the middle of it. And he said, and yeah, we saw it. And he says, well, when the Muslims um, took over Egypt, took over Cairo, uh, the Coptic church was, was the Protestant church. They, they began to attack them. And they said, you know, in your Bible, your God says that you speak to the mountain and the mountain will move. So you see that mountain? If it doesn't move by tomorrow, you're all dead. And so they began to speak to the mountain. I, I'd probably speak to the mountain real quick too. And he says, you see that crack? That wasn't there. The mountain moved. Now the interesting thing he said is, where that crack is, nobody goes there. Because that crack is so full of venomous snakes and and spiders and everything else that nobody goes in that area at all because, well, as he put it, it's cursed. But you know what? They didn't, they didn't lose their heads. They didn't die because the mountain moved. Now, I don't believe when Jesus gave these instructions, it was so that we would speak to physical mountains and tell them, you know, <clears throat> Iowa is too flat, so we want you to go there. I don't, I don't think that's what it's talking about. But what we do see is that when we do take it literally, if the need arises, 
God's faithful to his word. You know, and so what, what's the mountain in your life? You know, what is it that we've been praying about? Should we be praying about it or should we begin to speak to it and should we begin to declare what truly belongs to us in Christ Jesus? Just as um, somebody, Jody, shared the story about the, the people out there in, in California whose house it went around. I heard other stories of people where there were um, floods and tornadoes and they forbid, you know, it touching their lands and it didn't touch it. Went around, everybody else got affected, but not them. I remember years back, he just recently went home to be at the Lord, but <clears throat> um, uh, Norville Hayes, uh, he was a businessman. He was a Bible teacher, but really he was a businessman that became a Bible teacher. And uh, he owned properties in Florida. And there was a, a huge freeze that was coming in. And he had, I believe it was peach trees. And so he went around and he, he walked around his territory. And all of his neighbors were putting up their uh, smoke pots and everything else to keep everything from freezing. And he didn't. He just walked around his territory and forbid uh, the freeze to take place on his land. Everybody else around him lost his crops, but he got his. And that's why we, we speak when we, when we talk about crops and so forth in Greene County. We're not, oh God, please do something. No, we have the right in the name of Jesus to have a bumper crop in Greene County. Why? Because we have authority here. Because this is our territory. And so that's where the limitations come in. Sometimes the limitations come in because um, we're stepping out of our realm of authority. You know, I'm always real careful when, when somebody from another church comes and asks me to pray for them. And the reason that I'm careful about that is because I really don't have that spiritual covering or that spiritual authority for them. And so, you know, I'll pray with them. I'll pray for healing. I'll pray for in agreement with them. But I really don't carry authority in, in their lives because they've submitted themselves to another. And that's why as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, and he's the one that set up the church for it to function that it's, as it does, that we recognize and take time to acknowledge what we're part of. You know, and so uh, if, if I'm a pastor that doesn't believe in healing and um, uh, doesn't believe in the inerrancy of the Word of God that, you know, God's wishy-washy, you just never know about Him. <clears throat> if I believe that, I would encourage you to go someplace else. Because why would you want to sit under that doubt and unbelief. But I don't believe that. I believe that the Word of God is truth from Genesis to Revelation. That all it applies to us in our life. That when God says that by the stripes of Jesus we've been healed, I believe that by the stripes of Jesus we have been healed. And so we can speak to sickness and disease and they've got to flee. Well, why doesn't it always happen? I don't know. If I do, I'd write a book and make a fortune. But I don't know. But you know what? It's not going to stop me from doing what he's directed us to do as his believers. 
Why is it that we're able to do it? Because we're part, we're connected to the vine. We're the branch. And through us, he wants to bear much fruit. And so, really, that's the, that's the purpose for the church. It isn't to give us a place of gathering, although that's part of it. It isn't just to be a place where we, we, we have fellowship, though that's part of it. The ultimate purpose of the church, because it's connected to the vine, is for us to bear fruit. And so we're to bear fruit. We're to see increase in our lives. In Isaiah 45, 11, it says, Thus says the Lord, the Holy One of Israel, His Maker, Ask me of things to come concerning my sons and concerning the work of my hands. You command me. And so command isn't like saying, God, you've got to do this. No, it's, it's God, because your word says, I command it to be so. I expect it to be so. And it's not just a, if you feel like it. No, we have a right of expectation. You know, there's a principle in the scripture. It's the, it's the principle of expectation. You know, as a parent, you know, when my kids were at home, because we clothed them, because we gave them a roof over the head, uh, because we provided for them, we had a right of expectation. We had a right to expect that you're going to go to school and you're going to study and you're going to do certain things. There's a right of expectation there. Because Jesus paid the price for our sins and brought us into the kingdom of God, God has a right of expectation of us. He has a right to expect that we're going to live a righteous, holy life. Because he made the way, he provided everything that was needful for us to be able to accomplish that. But because of the promises that he gave us, it's just like our children, because we brought them into the world, they had a right of expectation that we would, we would raise them up. God brought us into this spiritual world. He has a right of expectation, but we also have a right to expect that he's going to be true to his word. And so when his word declares that I'll supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus, we have a right of expectation. It isn't a hoping and a wondering if my needs are going to be met. It's a knowing that my needs are going to be met. Because God is faithful to his word. But you know what? <clears throat> Years back, I think it was Copeland or somebody, well, actually, there was even a song written along these lines. Keep the switch of faith turned on. Keep the switch of faith turned on. No matter what the circumstances, ba-da-da-da-da. Keep the switch of faith turned on. <clears throat> you know, so we've been given... Don't look at me with that tone of voice. <laughs> you know, so we've been given everything that's necessary. You know, it's, it's like the electric company. The electric company produces electricity and they bring that electricity to your house, to your home. 
But you know what? If you want to turn the light on, you don't call the electric company and say, would you come turn the light on? No, you flip the switch. Why? Because everything that's necessary for that electricity to produce what it's supposed to produce in your home has already been provided for you. But you have to turn the switch on. You have to flip the switch. And that's how it is with God. He's provided everything that is necessary for us to live the victorious, abundant, prosperous life. But we have to flip the switch. And the way that we flip that switch is through the words that come out of our mouth. We need to be willing to speak them. If we're not going to speak them, it's not going to be done. We don't say, God, do it. He's already provided so that we can do it. And so we do that with the words that come out of our mouth. Let's turn over to Acts, the 19th chapter. We're going to begin in the 11th verse, and it says, And God worked unusual miracles by the hands of Paul. Notice, God worked the miracles, but Paul's hands had to be involved. God wants to work miracles in our lives, but you know what? We're involved in it. He doesn't do it apart from us. So that even the handkerchiefs and aprons were brought from his body to the sick, and diseases left them, and evil spirits went out of them. Then some of the itinerant Jewish exorcists took it upon themselves to call the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits, saying, We exorcise you by the Jesus whom Paul preached. Also, there were seven sons of Siva, a Jewish chief priest who did so. The evil spirit answered and said, Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? Then the man in whom the evil spirit was leaped on them, overpowering them, and prevailed against them, so that they fled out of the house naked and wounded. And so, He's given us authority, but it isn't the authority that Pastor Dave carries or Pastor Becky carries. It's the authority that's been invested in your life. And so it comes back to the Matthew passage that I have a hard time staying away from. How the disciples, they... They came to Jesus and Jesus said, who do men say that I am? And they said, John the Baptist, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. But Jesus said, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you're the son of God. You see, who do you say that Jesus is? You can tell everybody that Pastor Dave says that Jesus is healer. But who do you say Jesus is? There's only one way for you to come to a conclusion as to who you believe 
Jesus to be. And that's by seeing it in his word for yourself. Come to the point where you believe it for yourself. So that when you're asked, who do you say that Jesus is? You say, Jesus is my healer. Jesus is my deliverer. Jesus is my provider. Jesus is my peace. Jesus is my joy. Jesus is the all-sufficient one in my life. Jesus is the rock that I can depend upon in every circumstance in my life. Jesus are the words that come out of my mouth that speak to the mountain, and that mountain has to move. It's not just simply my words. It's my words that are permeated with the word of Jesus. And when our words are filled with the words of Jesus, whatever the obstacle is that's coming against us, it's got to get out of the way. You know, in Matthew 10, 8, I just want to read this because of the, the terminology here. And Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He doesn't say pray about it. He says, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils, Freely you've received, freely give. You know, it's an interesting thing. You can't give away what you don't have. If you do, you're a thief. We can't give away what we don't have. And so if I've not received from Jesus, I don't have anything to give you. And he says, heal the sick. Why am I able to heal the sick? Because I've received healing. Now, I'm not saying that that means that I have to have been healed of something, although I have. But I have to have received that word of healing so that I can give it to you or to anybody else, whatever it may be. Cast out devils. It doesn't say speak to the devil and tell it to get out of the way. You know, we went through a real time in, in the church where people were Talking to devils. Oh, you need to make them say something. You need to make them talk. Then I finally learned, no, you tell them to shut up and get out of here. And you know what? I haven't had to talk to them since. I've had to talk to a few. They weren't just, they just weren't, I won't go there. But we've been given the authority. Recognize the authority that you have in Jesus' name. Mark 7, 13, it says, making the word of God no effect through their traditions. And it's talking about the traditions of man, how the word of God has caused, the traditions of man has caused the word to be ineffective. And I look around and sometimes we see the, the church and it seems ineffective. It seems it's not do much, but a lot of times it's been because of, of the traditions and we've, we've, Tradition, the spirit right out of it. We want to be acceptable. You know, I remember the, one of the first times I came across this passage, I couldn't believe it because I'd been studying the word. I was a new Christian and I just thought, <clears throat> nothing, nothing can stop the word of God. It's nothing can stop it. And I came across this passage and it says, but the traditions of man. And I look back in my life and Went to church my entire life, but didn't get born again until I was 24. Why? Because of the traditions of man. Even after I was born again, 
There were things that I didn't experience in my spiritual walk. Why? Because of the traditions of man. When contrary to what I had been, was hearing, and I chose the tradition over the Word of God. And eventually, the Word of God overrode it. But you know, that's what happens so often. You know, we're, we're talking about faith here tonight. Faith is easy. Romans 10, 17 says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. You hear faith comes. You hear the word faith comes. You hear the word faith comes. Faith is easy. The hard part of faith is unlearning the negative of faith that you heard in the past. I'd hear faith and I'd get excited about it, but what about this, 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 and this? Because that's what I'd been taught. That's what I heard. That's what this individual said. Caused the word to be ineffective in my life. Until I got to the point where I repented of what I heard in the past and chose to believe what the word of God says. In spite of what people may try to tell you, repentance doesn't mean going around saying you're sorry. Repentance is a change of direction. There's a lot of people that are sorry, but they've never repented because they're doing what they've always done. Repentance means I'm not going to go that direction anymore. I choose this. And so when I heard that, had heard for years that you just never know about God, he might put sickness on you to teach you something, might put sickness on you to discipline you because you've been so naughty. Then you hear that it's his will to heal all. And so I had to repent of that. I just said, no, I'm, I'm turning from that. I'm not going to listen to this garbage any longer that says that my God once would afflict sickness and disease upon me because he's trying to teach me something. Well, I have learned something from being sick. The number one thing I've learned from being sick is I don't want to be sick. Amen. But what I learned about Jesus is that he can't give me sickness because he doesn't have any. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so if he hasn't got it in heaven, he doesn't have it to give here on earth either. And I don't know what you believe, but I believe when I get to heaven... There isn't going to be any sickness and disease there. Well, guess what? He doesn't have any sickness and disease here either. And so we can walk in wholeness. Amen? No church next week. Remember that. I don't mean all next week. I just mean Wednesday. Amen. So be blessed in Jesus' name. Amen.